Welcome back to Beyond the Scope, hosted by the Digital Pathology Association, digitalpathologyassociation.org, for information about memberships, education, publications, and other great resources in our world of digital pathology. I am your host, David Tolman, and I am joined today by a very special guest from Pakistan. Dr. Talat Zera is a histopathologist at Jinnison University in Karachi, Pakistan. And this is a very important episode. Dr. Zayra joins me to discuss issues that Pakistan and many regions of the world face with regard to scarcity of pathology services. We also discuss the advantages of bringing digital pathology to developing countries. And keep in mind the DPA is offering free one-year memberships to individuals from developing countries. So I encourage all to visit the website for more information. Let's get to my conversation with Dr. Talat Zera. Hello, it is our pleasure to welcome Dr. Talat Zera from Pakistan to the podcast. Dr. Zera, how are you doing today? I'm good. I hope all of you will be fine and having a good time with your families. Stay safe, everyone. Yes, and, 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 and thank you so much for coming on. Our topic today, we're going to be talking about delivering digital pathology to developing countries around the world. And this is yeah. this is an issue that is um, very important in your country of Pakistan. So I hope that um, you know we have a good conversation getting into that today. But first, um, why don't will you please tell the listeners about your background and um, your experience and interest in digital pathology? Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum, good morning, and hello to everyone. I am Dr. Talat Zahra, Assistant Professor at Jinnasin Medical University, Karachi, Pakistan. Uh, basically, I am a pathologist, educationist, and a researcher. I've done my fellowship in histopathology from the College of Physicians and Surgeons, Pakistan. As far as uh, my background regarding digital pathology is concerned, I would just say that uh, I'm merely a student of histopathology and want to learn digital pathology from the experts. My first publication about about the computer-assisted diagnosis was published in the year 2016, in which I did a pilot study of uh, colonic biopsy specimen, in which we tried to learn the computer how to diagnose the cases of ulcerative colitis. And we got a good number of cases, and it was published in Atlantis Press. After that, I did a, a, a break as I, I got busy in my fellowship exam. I became active again in the year 2020, in which the entire world was gripped by the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, uh, everything started going towards digitalization, you know, digital pathology, telemedicine, all these fields uh, arise. So initially, I, what I did, actually, I conducted a survey, nationwide survey, in which I involved all the pathologists of different disciplines, and we conducted a basic type of survey in which we asked about the pathologists, what they know about digital pathology, artificial intelligence, deep learning, machine learning, WSI, scanners. So uh, we conducted a nationwide survey in which around 150 pathologists took part. And we got a good number of uh, uh, results. Uh, the, the results were uh, encouraging. Majority of the pathologists, particularly younger ones, think that the digital pathology is a new and novel technique and should be adopted in our part of the world. And this survey was also published in your uh, website. 
the topic was on your blog the topic was digital pathology enabling remote operations during covid-19 and beyond pathologist perception after that survey i i me and my colleagues decided to work on uh, ai for that uh, we searched out different uh, organizations but the bottleneck at our my, at my end was that we we don't have the facility of wsi scanner in pakistan there are few organizations who have this uh, facility so whenever i talk about this uh, about the software uh, ai software organizations people they ask me that do you have wsi i said no i don't have but i wanted to work but finally i uh, found out an organization name is iphoria from finland then they not only gave me their demo version but they also uh, trained me how to work on ai and me and my colleagues worked for about one and a half months and i'm highly thankful to this organization iphoria from finland and their customer service manager dr darshan kumar who helped me out and we tried and we did some um, projects by using the data of our own people we worked on chorionic fly identification we worked on malaria parasite identification we worked on blast cells in the patient of leukemia and we got a good number of results after that i wrote on different uh, platforms as well i wrote on the like a biosystem knowledge pathway i wrote for uh, uh, inspirata i also wrote in the european hospital publishers and currently i am trying to build a team uh, in collab in a collaborative manner so that we can implement ai in our part of the world which contain most most of the disease workload but unfortunately less acute with the uh novel techniques for the diagnosis so currently i am working on it sounds like you have some amazing research going on with digital pathology and i want to direct this conversation to start talking about how digital pathology could be used in your region for clinical purposes so i think it would be best to start with telling us a little bit how pathology works in pakistan how many pathologists are there relative to the number of patients that you have to serve and also talk about where the pathology services are located to where the population actually lives yeah well if we talk about pathology you know that it's an integral part of medicine it is meant it's critical both for the management as well as for the diagnosis of the patient but all over the world there is a shortage of pathology so our part of the world is also suffering from the acute shortage of pathologists if you talk about pakistan pakistan is a country of more than 207 million people but if you talk about the pathologists particularly those who diagnose the cancer they are not more than 1000 and majority of the pathologists are concentrated in big cities as big cities uh, due to many reasons as the big cities they have big labs they have they are more acute and they are acute with good techniques as well so the pathologists prefer to live in the big cities but if we talk about the population uh, the majority of people live in the remote areas or the rural area of the country so there is a there is a big gap between the patients and the clinicians and the clinician and the pathologists as well so if we talk, just talk about the tumor cases according to who every year around 180000 people diagnose as a cancer as a case of as a new case of cancer right and we have the number of pathologists only around 1000 so this is just the scenario of tumor 
we are also suffering, unfortunately, from a large number of endemic diseases, which the developed part of the world may not have the idea. For example, we are still suffering from tuberculosis, malaria, typhoid, cutaneous leishmaniasis. If we talk about the tuberculosis, Pakistan is at the sixth number, according to WHO. Every year, around half of the million people diagnosed as new cases of tuberculosis. And among these, every year, around 70,000 people died because of tuberculosis, both pulmonary as well as extrapulmonary. And you know that in extrapulmonary tuberculosis, there is a role of pathologist. Pathologists diagnose that the TB is in the brain or in the lung or in the lymph node, anywhere on the biopsy. So this is a grave issue. Similarly, if we talk about malaria, about half of a million people every year suffer from malaria. Though the complications of malaria are not as severe as tuberculosis, but if the malaria is wrongly diagnosed, particularly falciparum, if the pathologist is not available, it can be fatal. Similarly, cutaneous leishmaniasis is one of the endemic neglected disease of over part of the world. And if here, again, the role of pathologist is very critical because the gold standard diagnosis is biopsy. So if, if not timely managed, it is associated with increased chances of morbidity as well as stigma for the society because the it do because cutaneous leishmaniasis cause disfigurement of the affected organs, particularly if it has on the face. Similarly, if we talk about the typhoid, unfortunately, in Pakistan, most common cause of intestinal perforation in young populations are two. One typhoid, the other one is tuberculosis. And you know that whenever there is perforation of an organ, particularly intestine, it leads to acute peritonitis. And if it is not treated timely, fatal. So the issues are grave, obviously. Patient, sometimes the patients, the specimen, the blocks, and the slide have to travel along, both for, for the for the for the in search of pathologies, you can say. They have to travel a lot, sometimes by bus. And you can uh, you can especially uh, comes in a preservative. We call it as formalin. So sometimes what happens that formalin can spill away. And the, when by the time when the specimen reaches to us, it is without formalin. It is these conditions are still not uncommon in our part of the world. So what I can never forget uh, a specimen. Was, it came from a remote area to us uh, and for the mass axilla, 13 year old boy, right? When, by the time when it reached to us, it was delivered after fourth day of surgery. We tried to uh, put the specimen in strong formalin, slice it so that we can get it. But I, I can never forget that specimen and that the boy because it came out as Hodgkin lymphoma. And what was the issue that the specimen had to travel so long? The specimen, there might be two possibilities whether the specimen was not put in two um, in buffer formally or it, the formalin had been spilled, spilled away and from the, um, the long journey. So we had to give a guarded by, by a diagnosis that is suggestive of Hodgkin lymphoma. And you know, once we diagnose lymphoma, it has to be. Right. It has to go in immunohistochemistry. Mm -hmm. It has to go in immunohistochemistry, and once the specimen is autolyzing, how the antigen retrieval process will start. So the sufferings are long, and uh, you can understand the level of frustration at the at the uh, at the side of patient, at the side of clinician, and from the point of view of the pathologist. I mean, I can't forget that patient. The Hodgkin lymphoma is hundred percent curable if it is diagnosed at stage one. 
right? Or radio, it gives a very good response to video therapy. So there are still a long, long barriers between the patients and clinician. And then again, sorry. Okay. So thank you. So there are long barriers between the patient and the clinician and then the clinician to pathologist. So these patients had to cross all these barriers to reach the pathologist. And sometimes when he or she reads the pathologist, what happens that the specimen may be lost or it, is not, it doesn't come in the proper fixatives. So you can imagine the level of frustration at the level of, at the level of patient, clinician, and pathologist who is waiting that his biopsy is going to a big city and, we, and then after that diagnosis, there will be a hope that that patient will cure. So there are lots of hurdles between the patient and the pathologist. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you and understand that these issues are very grave. Um, I did the math here. Um, so you have a population of 270 million people, less than a thousand pathologists, that's one pathologist for every 270,000 people. And most of those pathologists are located in big cities yeah. that these pa that many of these patients can't can't get to. So I'm curious in in the in the rural areas of Pakistan, are these patients able to get to see a physician to do biopsies to do to do blood draws are they able to to access those physicians adequately and and then after that it sounds like maybe the the specimens can get lost or get damaged in transit yeah, to the it's not uncommon no it's not common but it's not uncommon as well that that yeah. specimen received all formally mm -hmm. so so what happens to patients in the rural part of Pakistan that don't have access to physicians to get these diagnoses? What happens to them? Okay. Then they go to some other alternatives, some quacks, or you can say the less professional people. And obviously it results in increased morbidity and mortality of the patients. Wow. And okay. Even for a Okay. So I think the 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 severity of the issue and the challenge for for treating these patients is Hello. is very clear dr dr zara so digital pathology technologies now exist and one of the benefits of digital pathology is the ability um, to remotely diagnose cases so do you envision digital pathology being a solution um, to this access to pathologist issue, and how would you envision digital pathology working in Pakistan? Well, if we talk about digital pathology, it's a cutting edge technology, obviously, and the results and the promises of digital pathology and AI and machine learning are beyond the scope of the traditional pathology. So, as we've seen that even after digital pathology came, uh, has, the WSI was introduced about two, day, two decades back, but there was slow adoption for these digital techniques, even in the, from the developed part of the world. And the pathologists were used to afford it. So the adoption was slow, even in the developed part of the world. But as the COVID-19 pandemic arises, there was a fast adoption of digital techniques in every field of life. So the pathology also did not lag behind. And there was a fast, and the world witnessed a fast adoption 
of digital pathology techniques. Digital pathology and AI can be very helpful in our part of the world. First, when the slides become digital or virtual, it can remove the distance of physical presence of pathologists everywhere. Pathologists can see the slide from anywhere he is present in the world, just need the access of a scanner and good internet supply. Secondly, second and third opinion are very common in pathology, but particularly in cancer cases. We need second and third opinion. We can't work in uh, isolation. The pathology used to work under the umbrella of uh, radiologists, pathologists, uh, and the clinicians. So the second and third opinion are very, uh, can be very much easier if there is a facility of digital pathology. Patient suffering will be reduced, obviously. And once the slides become digital, you don't need to have large storehouse to, to put the slides in there. The glass slides are prone to break down. And also, uh, once uh, when the slides become digital, there is no chance of uh, fading of slides. Uh, it will remain as it, is, as it was on day one. With the help of digital pathology and AI, we can also work on preemptive healthcare. We can predict the disease trends according to the geography of that population. We can predict the personalized medicine wow. by through, through data mining and data source and data science. So in this way, the role of pathologist will not be of reactionary nature that you this is the case biopsy tumor, biopsy tumor. No, pathologist will be in the policy making. He will tell the in the policy maker that what, what the disease trending. So it will lead to the era of new personalized medicine as well. And obviously the beneficiary, will, the people of the developed world, underdeveloped world or the developing world will benefit from this. Yeah. As far as challenges are concerned, there are challenges, I agree. And, but, uh, but I would uh, like to share with you a poetry of my national poet, Alama Iqbal, and I would translate it into English for you. He said that, Zara nam to ye mati badi means that the soil of that region is very fertile, but just need what it needs only a few drops of water. The soil is fertile. So if we can work a determination, obviously there will be a victory, but I will discuss the issue with the bottlenecks. Basically the main issue is that the prices of WSI scanners are huge. And not only the scanners, they are, but you don't only need the scanners for implementing digital pathology, you need the, uh, training of the staff, technical support, licensing, these are all hidden costs which you require. The costs are huge. So these are mainly, these are the main reasons of delaying adoption of digital techniques in low resource organization in low socioeconomic countries. In my, in my opinion, initially what I personally believe that we need to do some large validational studies using the data of our own populations. And, the, and in this way, we will be able to gain the confidence of pathologists, patients, and the organization as well. Great. So what can technology innovators do to help um, bring these new technologies to your region of the world? And also, what can other pathologists do? What can pathologists in... Um, in other countries that have experience with digital pathology due to help um, increase adoption in Pakistan? Well, being a student of histopathology and a learner of AI, what uh, I would say, I would say that it's high time to come 
forward in the developing part of the world, we are a big source of data, not only for the endemic disease, but also for the tumor cases as well. So we need, so I would request the world, the world leader organization to come here, shake hand with us. And one lesson, what I learned from the COVID-19 as it affected the people, as it affected the humanity without any discrimination of border, geography, caste, creed, and religion. religion. Similarly, we need to fight the disease also with the, with the same spirit. And inshallah, I believe that humanity will be the winner. Wow. So it's high time that these organizations come in our part of the world, trained us, and, and we are the potential source of data, I would say, for diseases. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that um, countries like Pakistan and um, other regions of pathologists that I've talked to from Africa and, and South America can really, yeah. be, can really benefit from um, what, how digital pathology can just increase the range of pathologists and increase the number of patients that are served by these technologies. So I think this is just a, a wonderful idea that um, you know companies like companies like my company, companies like bigger digital slide scanner companies that you've worked with before um, need to be working on. Yeah. So. Yeah, so 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 thank you so much for for um, highlighting all of these issues. Is is there anything else um, related to digital pathology that you'd like to discuss that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, I would like to thanks a lot to Digital Pathology Association who gave me the opportunity to highlight the issues of my part of the world and also. And they have given free membership for the people of developing part of the world. I'm highly thankful to you, your organization, and one of your, uh, um, I have forgotten her designation, Abby Norris, who I don't have a correcting name her or not. She helped me out whenever I need it. I'm, I'm thankful to Laika Biosystem Knowledge Pathway, who gave me the first time their platform to use, in which I wrote the editorial. Uh, digital pathology enabling remote operations during COVID-19 and beyond. I also, I'm also thankful to Inspirata. I'm thankful to, uh, to European publishers and its head uh, managing director, Daniela Zimmerman, who gave me the opportunity to highlight the issues of my uh, part of the world. And I wrote the article named as Dawn of Digitalization in Developing Part of the World. Similarly, I'm also thankful uh, at, uh, I'm also thankful to my university, Janassen Medical University, my director, Dr. Mahmoud my HOD, Dr. Sadia, who helped me always in, in working and always in therapy. So I'm also thankful to you at the end also. You made great questions and I tried my level best to answer it. I, I hope that I, <laughs> I was able. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, I have learned so much about um, how digital pathology can help um, your region of the world. And I hope that other listeners from around the world that are listening to this um, learn the same thing. Um, you can visit uh, digitalpathologyassociation.org. As Dr. Zara mentioned, um, the Digital Pathology Association is offering free memberships um, to pathologists. Um, from countries around the world um, that may have difficulty accessing digital pathology and may want to learn more about the resources that are available. 
And Dr. Zara, all of the resources that you mentioned, I will um, include those as websites um, when we post this podcast. So that's it. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for joining us today to talk about digital pathology in Pakistan.